Hey everybody, welcome to Creepy Club. I'm Rissa. I'm Heidi. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things creepy, ghosts, true crime, uh, aliens. Spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. And it is the spooky month. Very exciting. It is. It's, um, we're approaching All Hallows Eve will be Halloween by the time, which... No. 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 No, not quite. Next... I think next week is when we should record our Halloween episode. Okay, so it's coming. Yeah. I mean, every time I go to the store, I'm like bombarded by Halloween decorations. Yeah, totally. And I... I'm not mad about it. Yeah, and I have to resist so much. I have to resist so much to not buy all of them. I know. I went to um, one of those big box craft stores today because I had to buy buttons and all their... Halloween decor was 70% off. And I was oh. like, do I need towels that say haunted house? <laughs> Maybe I just need one. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I may have made a few purchases. And my husband's no help because he, like, would probably on most days rather set himself on fire than go to a craft store. But he's been to a couple <laughs> recently. Yeah. Because he likes all, he likes the spooky stuff Man. too. Joanne's, they. That's what kill, I'm talking about. They kill the Halloween decorations. Well, you know, it's because they mark that shit up ridiculous. Yes. So they can oh mark it down. Don't ever. Here's our pro tip for anybody who loves the crafty stuff don't buy that shit when it first comes out. Yeah, Do not. Wait, wait like a week and it'll go on 70% off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just wait a minute and. Dear God, don't ever go in there without a coupon. Oh, yeah. Download the app. They always got a coupon on the app. And they take competitor coupons. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, I who's, who's competing with Joann's, though, really, these days? Michael's. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. But, I've like, used, I don't know. Jo- yeah, I guess you're right. I've used coupons there before. Like, I refuse because I know they mark their shit way up because they know they're going to mark it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, screw you. I want my deal. I actually uh, haggled with the folks at Macy's the other day because mm-hmm. I had because new <laughs> new job requires me to wear grown up clothing. Yeah, like you know, suit. Yuck. Mm-hmm. That was kind of how I felt about it. Um, <laughs> my husband told me to channel my inner goth because my regular wardrobe looks more like. Um, Garcia from Criminal Minds, <laughs> which is not appropriate for the industry that this contract is for. Yeah. And um, so as a freelance contract employee sort of person, you got to kind of go with whatever they want. Yeah. You don't really get to set the tone of the culture. Mm-hmm. It's more about blending in and following the rules, which is tough for me to begin with <laughs> he's like just channel your inner gotham wear a lot of black yeah i was like okay i can do that yeah i can commit to that yeah there you go but yeah i opened my closet and i was like jesus christ looks like fucking punky brewster filled this thing up <laughs> i was like i literally have nothing appropriate to wear yeah mm-hmm. yeah and all my glasses are like bright red bright blue right yeah it's a you pro- can't wear those no they're glasses uh, these folks are like the equivalent uh, of bankers and accountants. Yuck. Yeah, they don't want anything to, they don't want to see. They I don't d- want fun. No, they don't want fun. I did maybe purchase a coffee mug today 
that said um, Como Se Llama, and it's got two llamas on it, <laughs> as a treat for myself for my new job, I was like, I got to have one fun thing at the office. Yeah. Like, and that's that's pretty low-key. Although I don't know if I can be trusted with a coffee cup without a lid, but that's another problem. (laughs) I probably should never, ever. I'm currently drinking tea out of one that says, I believe in narwhals because I didn't know that they were real until I was like 40. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, they look like unicorns. Yeah. No, I, they look mythical. They're, they're a very strange sea creature for sure. My friend Becca got it for me after she laughed at me for (laughs) a really long time. That's good. Uh huh. Anyway, so, that wasn't stop signs, FYI. <laughs> it was. It's, uh, and we're we've only been recording for five minutes, so that's good. Okay. Yeah, and we covered a few things. Um, sorry about the meetup, folks. We thought we were gonna go have. What's going on? Is Wads so Wadsworth has joined the podcast today? He's our adorable. I don't know Siamese ragdoll. Whatever. I don't know. He's just yeah, he's frigging adorable. Yeah. But he's one of those cats that's like, he's into just everything. He's into some stuff. He's got to check stuff out. And I think he's knocking some things over. Yeah. He's exploring. He's like Dora the Explorer, yeah, but he's a cat. For sure. But he's also very um, agreeable to costume wearing, which I appreciate. Yeah. He true. is, if you were following the Instagram, mm-hmm. he was the bat cat. Yeah. And. And I believe the Velociraptor. Yes, that's true. I think I posted that one, too. And I would like to thank all of the animals and their humans for their submissions. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe, were my creatures featured? Yes. Oh, that's right. Because I gave Evie demon eyes. Yeah. I had a really good time in Photoshop. Yeah, you did a great job. And I made sure... Your boyfriend's parrot looked like it was eating an organ. Yeah, that was great. Did he like it? Yeah, he loved it. Okay, because when I was doing it, about it, I didn't know whose it was. And I was like, really hope that they're not like mad that I just <laughs> took their beloved parrot and made it into a like Hannibal yeah, Lecter parrot. He was into it. But yeah, so we had to do a rain check on the meetup because we literally rain. We really didn't want to. Yeah, rain. We didn't want to drive an hour in rain and walk around a uh festival Soggy. in rain yeah and especially because we weren't really sure if it was going to be like well it's not paved worth it <laughs> well here's the thing i'm sure I'm, it was <laughs> no offense to the old minds people. i still have kind of like a um i've still got a little bit of a gimp limp going on right and so grass is cool if the whole world was made of grass i probably wouldn't limp so much <laughs> concrete's a real bastard when yeah. you have knee problems but yeah. so i'm still limpy gimpy sometimes and i was like the absolute last thing that i need to do is slip and fall in some muddy shit right and then it's secondary highways for most of the trip there yeah and they're pretty windy hilly yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's one of those things that's like it's a gorgeous drive on a nice day but on a rainy day you feel like you need a xanax right yeah. So, so speaking of which, safety I first. have a suggestion for a rain check. It's October twenty fifth, which is a Saturday. What no, if I'm Friday? Not a, a Friday. Am I available? I don't know. I'm. That's that's why I'm bringing it up. You, um, 
you should check what if I'm not available. Well, I'm just, this is me suggesting it. And I might still go if you can't go. And other people can go with me. Here's the thing. Okay. It's October 25th. It's a Friday. From, well, it's it's got different times. It's a tour. It's, um, do you know what the Campbell House is? I do. It's a, it's part of the state park system. It's historic. And you're lucky I'm free because I was about to be pissed. Jeez. I, it was just a suggestion. I'm just saying, are we a team or are we not a team? Well, I, uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm. Okay. I think, can I get my apology now? I don't feel like I have anything to apologize <laughs> for. Uh, Wadsworth disagrees and he's going to come bite you. That's fine. He does every day. Um, so it, this is an event put on by the St. Louis Morning Society. Ooh. Uh, and morning as in M-O-U-R-I-N-G. Yes. I was not thinking like. Wait. They're really M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. joyful. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Sorry. I, I didn't think that you meant like they were real stoked yeah. about <laughs> early hours. Yes. So it's a candlelight tour of the Campbell House. And um, I'm going to read. There, there's a Facebook event that I'll share and on our um, Facebook page. And I'm going to read the about section. It says, once again, we are excited to partner with the Morning Society of St. Louis for our annual Halloween Twilight Tours. Experience the Campbell House period rooms dimmed to gaslight brightness and draped for morning. Guests get the unique opportunity to walk through the Campbell House at night and learn about the Victorian morning customs. The Morning Society member- members will be will even be in appropriate morning dress. Witness Robert Campbell's 1879 wake in the parlor and hear about the process of preparing the deceased for the funeral, Victorian morning etiquette, dress, and cemeteries. Notable, Id- notable items will be on display. Um, a diphtheria vaporizer. Gotta know what that is. A variety of... Co- All I can say is please vaccinate. <laughs> a variety of coffins, bleeding instruments, leeches, and even recipes for funeral biscuits. Don't forget to try some funeral biscuits. Um, tours will be at 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30, and 8. Please pick a time slot when you purchase tickets. Tickets are $15 and $5 for Campbell House members. Call blah, blah, blah for tickets. So I think that that would be really fun. What do you think? Um, I think that's amazing. And I just looked up their Facebook page. Yeah. These folks don't mess around. They do the full Victorian costume. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess they consider it. Wait, where'd it go? Well, I want to thank um, listeners Annie and Lauren for bringing them to our attention, to my attention. Um, Annie sent me, well, Annie and Lauren both sent me a link to uh, an event they're doing this weekend, which I cannot go to because I have other plans. Um, But then I saw the Campbell House thing. So this Sunday they're doing a... Some it's called Death, Mourning, and Memory, and it's a special lecture, um, talking about nineteenth-century funerals, mourning, and memorial items. I imagine it's roughly the same thing as the Campbell House thing, um, and it's at Lafayette Park. 
Um, so thanks to Annie and Lauren for bringing that to my attention because I really want to go to this Campbell House thing. Yeah, and if you volunteer, so I saw that they have a um, they have a volunteer page. Okay, so their Facebook page says. We're a St. Louis, Missouri-based civilian reenacting group with an interest in mourning, death culture, spiritualism, and funeral customs of the mid-19th century through the early 20th century. We sometimes branch out into other topics such as World War I and the St. Louis, Missouri women's suffrage movement. And it looks like they've participated in quite a few different things. They have their own website, mourningsociety.com, mourning as in sad not <laughs> not early right um but if you're involved in any way they have a cemetery scavenger hunt what what that sounds awesome yeah i oh my god i'm so excited so well, i was thinking maybe like we could i do please reach out to us if you are a member right um, i was gonna say we should maybe reach out to them and have somebody on the podcast yeah uh if if you're a current listener by all means reach out to us otherwise plan on hearing from us yeah because it says 2019 seven, 2019 cemetery scavenger hunt play along with our cemetery scavenger hunt by posting your photo on facebook or instagram make sure you tag your post so we can check it out a new clue will be posted every Sunday through the end of October. So it's cool. not too late. Oh. Ooh. And we were just talking about how since we didn't get to old get to go to old mines, that there's so many old cemeteries around here that we should go do, you know, go do a trip and check one out. There's a whole bunch and the some of those Victorian um headstones are just unreal victorians did, had some really interesting stuff maybe i'll i'm not gonna say too much because they did some really <laughs> kooky stuff i think my next uh my next next podcast will be victorian death customs well, i'm no, declaring also, it now also um the campbell house is supposed to be haunted so maybe that's also an episode i frequently pass it when i do street outreach where is it it's on Locust downtown. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's right by where Larry Rice's shelter was. So it's right in the middle of the lofts downtown. And it's not, you know, size-wise sort of unimpressive for a rich person right. of, by today's standards. So I, I don't have a preference as to which what time we go. So maybe I'll put a poll up on the Facebook and see if anybody's interested and oh, see well, what time people says... would want to go. Oh, new tour times at 6.15 and 7.45. I oh, would okay. say... Okay, so maybe the other ones are sold out. I'm thinking 7.45 is probably best just yeah, sure. for work schedules in case people don't get off. Okay, cool. So we're going to go 745. October 25th, 7.45 at the Campbell House. If you're interested in going, hit us up on our email at creepyclubpodcast at gmail.com or any other social media. We'll get it. Reservations are required and it's fifteen dollars a person or yeah. five bucks for a member. Yeah. So and I would say I bet this is fairly popular. So you should probably not wait a super long time to buy your ticket. Yeah, I'll probably get my ticket tonight. Yeah. Let's knock that out and make sure that we're on there. That way we're not liars. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we were about the other thing. Well, we better get to totally. it. Yeah. All right. So what are you going to talk about today? So I'm going to talk about Chris Coleman, who, I mean, that just sounds like the most generic white guy name ever. Right. I, right. I immediately thought of Coleman Coolers, camping I, equipment. Oh, I was like, cooler. I was thinking wine cooler and I was very confused. Ah. No, I only drink Seagram's wine coolers. That. I'm just kidding. Is that Seagram? Wait, is it Seagram's? Are those still a thing? I'm sure. I, I don't know. Not that I ever participated in underage drinking. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was... I think we're beyond the statute of limitations at this point. Okay, so I definitely <laughs> did, and that was what I drank. It was Bartles and James and Seagram's Yes, that's what poodle. I was... Yeah, Bartles and yeah, James. Yeah, and for sure. boy, that'll sure make you throw up. Boone's Farm. Oh, yeah, girl. Mm. I done me some Boone's Farm, some Mad Dog 2020. Mike's Hard. What? That didn't exist back in my... Mm. Back in the olden mm. days when I had mm. to walk Smirnoff uphill ice. both ways to school. Mm-hmm. I'm from the Zima days, the original <laughs> oh, Zima. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and I got a real bad hangover on Mad Dog one time, and my mom had no mercy with the banging of the pots and the pans in the kitchen that day. And she said, here's my pro tip for you. Don't drink anything called Mad Dog. <laughs> She's like, you basically asked for that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so she was like, I feel like the punishment that you're going to experience today will be more than adequate. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or the pain will anyway, be okay. adequate punishment. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Chris Coleman. So Chris Coleman was the head of security for Joyce Myers Ministries. Okay. Are you familiar with old Joyce? Um, I know. I mean, I, I've heard of the name and I can kind of, get from context clues, understand what it is. But why don't you enlighten me and the podcast listeners so if you aren't familiar with joyce we could probably do an episode on her mm -hmm. i would say that her she has a evangelical mega church essentially right and i would say that um i don't know that it probably wouldn't check all the boxes for a cult but it's very charismatic Gotcha. I had a friend who attended her church back in the day when it was Life Christian. Mm -hmm. And it's the, you know, get swept up by the spirit, fall down in the aisle, speak in tongues. Oh. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? what is, you know, I grew up with the stoic Catholic gymnastics. I'm like, why are people falling out of the aisles? Yeah. You know, I'm like, aren't you just supposed to kneel, sit, stand? <clears throat> yeah. So... All of the, and like hands in the air to Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Father God, mm -hmm. like a child. Is it a non-denominational church? Yeah, I mean, well, yes, but they consider themselves, I think, to be evangelical Christian, which really should just be a religion. I mean, most gotcha, yeah. evangelical Christian religions are what people call holy rollers. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, I think that's somewhat pejorative, but, um, so sorry in advance, um, or sorry after, if that was offensive. And she has a huge, 
she's she's been under fire for her very lavish lifestyle. Yeah, okay. So, have you ever watched the preachers on TBN? Mm, I mean, no, but I know of Okay, them. well, we didn't have cable right. when I was growing up. So, sometimes the TV watching got pretty desperate. And I would watch um, some of the the TV evangelist. And they, I mean, talk about like a psychological study. That was interesting. Yeah. The Benny Hinn and Robert Tilton and... Uh, who is it? Um, there's a pair. Their last name's Crotch. Something, <laughs> something. Jan Crotch. I can't what remember the dude's name. Yeah, and she has like, she makes Tammy Faye's wig look toned down. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so Joyce has a family compound, and I have a friend whose parents sent her to Joyce's rehab. At one point, she's one of those that's like kind of got her hands in everything. Yeah. And so I sent her a text message and I said, I'm going to talk about Chris Coleman because she went to church with him at one point. And I said, well, I had asked her before, like, did you think that there was anything strange about him? And she said, no, I mean, he looked like, you know, typical family wife, two kids, two young boys. And um, I said, was there anything unusual? So when she was in the treatment center, that she definitely did not need. <laughs> it was one of those kind of things. Like, I think she was just a little wild, and her parents were, her father's a pastor, not an evangelical Christian pastor, but was like, you know, she had to go to private Christian college, one of those deals. So, you know, she had four sips of alcohol. You have to go to treatment. So she, I asked her right before we started the podcast, I said, was there anything unusual about your experience there? She said, I would say that, um, the guard gates at the front where the offices are, they stop and make sure it's your staff. You can only staff are allowed in her office in Fenton. She's never been in the family compound. And when she was in the treatment center, she was considered staff. So she was allowed to get past security into the offices. So she's on like major lockdown all the time. Hmm. A lot, tons of security. She said it's super huge and everything is gold <laughs> and there's pictures of her everywhere, all over the place. Wow. Like Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And people who've worked there said they were treated really terrible. Mm -hmm. And I actually knew someone who ran her social media at one point and like he was never allowed to talk about work. Mm -hmm. And if you look at pictures of her, so just him being connected to her is kind of creepy in itself because yeah. she's one of those people when I first, I had a friend who used to watch, she has a TV show. So, and she wears the um, like kind of church lady suits. Yeah. But you can tell they're super expensive and like custom fit for her. Sure. Custom tailored. Uh-huh. New one every single day. Yeah. Really expensive jewelry. Yeah. And I thought... You have a lot of money. Like too much hairspray? Definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. Could, could light a match near her and she would go up in flames. You should just consider an oxygen tank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not stylish. Church lady stylish. Not like, Yeah. Like it was maybe stylish in the 90s. Mm, 
Yeah, kind of working girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a little bit, just not as much shoulder pad. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll show you a picture in a minute. Anyway, so she's a little bizarre in and of herself. So just being connected to her is a little odd. Mm -hmm. um, I did a quick search just for some context of like who he was affiliating himself with because he was head of her security. And okay, so one, here's a picture of her. Oh, yeah, that's exactly who I was picturing. I must have seen Maybe her you've before. seen her before. She's not wearing a suit in this picture, which is shocking. Ooh, because... those eyebrows are so, like, early 2000s. Like, ooh. Oh, yeah, super. Just, like, super thin, plucked to death. Mm-hmm. Lots of blue eyeshadow. Yeah, like that steely blue eyeshadow. And, yeah. And the... Her hair is not as fluffy as it used to be. This is a more recent picture. And maybe, um, and and God did not give her that face, you think? I think there's probably been some work done. <laughs> and it's interesting because I watched her TV show with my friend a couple of times. And, you know, the thing, a lot of what she says is just like common sense. Mm -hmm. you know? But I also think she ripped off a lot of stuff from 12-step programs. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that she says that I was like, wow, that really well, sounds like 12-step. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Doesn't like Alcoholics Anonymous like take a lot of their stuff from religion? Yeah, their their roots are in Christianity. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and so they um they came right after the temperance movement movement. I used to know a lot more. I'm a little rusty on my uh twelve step history, but I volunteered for a long time at a facility that provided a space for 12-step meetings and so i know a shocking amount of stuff hmm. about 12-step history like bill wilson actually took psychedelic drugs as an experiment and potential cure for alcoholism well been hearing a lot of stuff about that lately and he was also had a mistress they okay. don't they don't mention that in the book i mean i don't i'm not like I'm not here to judge. Well, it was a little contrary to the message. Oh, gotcha. Like, yeah. Critical. I, I could see that. It didn't really line up with the spiel. Gotcha. Anyway. Anyway. So she has a net worth of $8 million. Ooh. Ooh, girl. Yeah. And that was, so her show is called Enjoying Everyday Life. She started in 1995. Enjoying Everyday Life? Uh-huh. Gotcha. She travels to all her public speaking engagements on her private jet. Okay. Uh, in 2004, so this article is not particularly new, I don't think. Oh, no, it is. It's January 2019. Uh, in 2004, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, so that's our big newspaper here, listed her and her husband's assets, which were reportedly all paid for by her ministry. They included her $10 million jet several million dollar homes, as well as $107,000 silver Mercedes. Mm, gifts from the Lord. I, what do you, like, $107,000? I want to take him house. Right, yeah. I don't, that kind of, like, that just doesn't impress me. Anyway, so that's who he was working for. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe that says a little something about where his, head was at oh yeah i keep forgetting that we're talking about 
yeah we're not actually person. talking about I don't even, her i don't know anything about this chris coleman i just know yeah that he's well and like i said security. we could definitely do a story just on her ministry because yeah, i yeah, think yeah. it's some crooked shit yeah okay so chris Hol- coleman had a security he's married to a woman named sherry and they have two young boys they regularly attend um destiny church mm-hmm. which is another you know evangelical christian church i think it's part of the joyce meyer ministry so the night before the wife and children are found dead oh oh yes the night before the children are found dead some neighbors up the street who had a kid the same age one of the boys garrett goes up the street to the neighbor's house and um, is visiting with them and asks if, ask if he can spend the night. At the and, Coleman's house? No, at the Rod, uh, oh. Different house. Yeah, I'm not sure how to say their last name. It looks R-I-E-G-E-R-I-X, Regerix, maybe? Um, so she's like, no problem. Go home. Tell your parents to pack a bag. Then he comes back and he says, I can't. My dad says I have to be home at 830. Mm. And they had a pretty good, you know, these were kids that were back and forth all the time. They lived on a cul-de-sac. And um, a couple weird things had happened prior to the night before the murder. Chris said that um, they had received... While he was out of town on a business trip, a threatening letter in their mailbox. And the a neighbor offered to put, who was a detective or a police officer or something like that, offered to put a camera on their house. He lived across the street to see if anyone else tried to leave a message. It was a death threat, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Chris said he received a couple email messages that were also threatening, threatening to not just him, but to his family Mm -hmm. and like really nasty, scary stuff. So the night before the kid asks if he can spend the night, dad says, no, bummer. They go home the next morning. Chris leaves to go to. So is this, wait, was it one of the Coleman kids that is asking to spend the night? Right, one of his, one of Chris's children asked if he could spend the night at a neighbor's house. And he said no. And he said, no, you got to be home at 830. Gotcha. Which was maybe unusual. You know, normally it was like your house, mi casa, su casa kind of arrangement. The kids were back and forth a lot. Yeah. And um, so and Chris traveled some for business because, you know, Joyce has to fly her plane everywhere. Right. Anyway, so I'm sure Cherry, the wife, was appreciative of neighbor help. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the a few weird things had happened with these threatening messages. Oh, my God, Wadsworth is so ridiculous. I wish everyone could see how cute he is right now. <laughs> he's so tiny. Yeah. He's just bitty. Anyway, he's very happy in Marissa's lap for story time. Um, well, the next morning, Chris gets up super, super early to go to the gym. Like, I think it was 530 in the morning, he said. 
he went to get up to go to the gym. Um, oh, let me back up for a second. So the emails that he got were in reference to the Joyce Meyer church. Okay. So he got an email on November 14th that accused him, accused rather Joyce Meyer of preaching bullshit and didn't threaten Meyer or her family, but the Coleman family and said, I'll kill them all while they sleep. So is this an email that like government officials have seen and it is true that it exists or is this something that he's saying exists? The emails do, they did exist. Okay. We'll come back to them. Okay. So that started in November by April 27th. Um, letters had been showing up in the mailbox and on April, on April 27th, the final letter said, this is my last warning. Your worst nightmare is about to happen. It's not, it's a little foreboding. It's right. Not, not great. So is it public knowledge that he's her set of, head of security? I yes. Guess? Okay. It is. So his neighbor, they just give his last name, Barlow. He's the one who offered to mount a surveillance video camera. Okay. His three-year-old son's window was like, a direct line to the Coleman's mailbox. Mm -hmm. And so he did in fact install the camera's video. Um, and I read in a different article that at one point someone was seen putting something in the mailbox, but like, you know, of course they were wearing a hoodie and you couldn't really tell who it was. Yeah. So I, I guess it was April, April 27th. He got up, Coleman got up really early to go to the gym and then at, I think, 6.30 in the morning, he calls his neighbor and he says, my wife's not answering the phone. I need you to check on her and the kids. I'm on the JV bridge. I'll be there in about five minutes. That's kind of weird. That is weird because if you're going to be home in five minutes, like I, I wouldn't. Like, it's I, not even seven o'clock. Yeah. Someone not answering their phone before 7 a.m. Even if it's a school day, I would just think maybe they're not by their phone. Maybe she's pooping. Right. Exactly. Or maybe she's getting two kids dressed and feeding them breakfast if they have school. Right. Yeah. I don't know what day of the week it was. So the neighbor called, he lived in Columbia, Illinois, which is just across the river. Oh. So not very far from here at all. Mm -hmm. um, from Sassadita to Columbia is like 25 minutes, something like that. It's super close. And the JB Bridge is a major bridge that goes from, I guess his gym was in South County. So from South County to Columbia, I mean, so fairly short distance. Mm -hmm. So it's a bridge that goes over the Mississippi connecting Missouri and Illinois. And it's very common if you're not from here. A lot of people commute to work or shop or whatever. Those areas are more rural, small town. They'll come to our side of the river to go shopping, jobs, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So the neighbor, in alarm, because of all of these threatening messages that have been going on for months now, November to April, so that's like six months almost, um, calls the Columbia Police Department 
he is some sort of works for um he's involved with the police himself in some way i can't remember if he's a detective or a police officer so he grabs his weapon his cuffs his radio and goes over to the coleman's front porch and then another officer uh donyan pulls up and he calls out to him and he says nobody's answering so donyan goes around the back and he gets a message over the radio that says the window's open and the screen's out. Mm. So it appears as though someone's entered the home. It also, I mean, all of this seems like a lot of hubbub for somebody just not answering their phone at seven in the morning. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I can't mean, imagine the time I. I can't find it in this particular article, but I remember seeing it and it said something like he left it around 530 and then he makes this call around 630. So he was only gone for maybe an hour. Yeah. I don't. That's to me, even if I receive threatening messages, I don't think I'd be flipping out and calling neighbors. Mm -hmm. Not for that short a period of time. That right. in and of itself is highly suspicious like he's it seems somewhat staged right right um well it turns out it is <laughs> so they call for backup they climb through the window clear the basement they start going upstairs they get this smell of paint fumes and they're like paint fumes like that really strong like spray paint wow and when they get up to the first floor they can see that in the kitchen someone has spray painted on the walls punished and red spray paint okay right so now we're talking helter this skelter is, yeah stuff. this is yeah that's right? exactly what i was gonna say it reminds me of what was it like pigs something yeah something Dye like that Die pig something yeah, yeah. And then um, somewhere between the kitchen and the stairwell, I'm always watching, and you have paid. Okay. This is not good. It's a receipt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coleman finally pulls up at 6.56. So it's 13 minutes after he calls his neighbor and says, I can't get a hold of my wife. Gotcha. They're already in the house. Mm-hmm. They've cleared the basement, the first floor, but they found all of this spray paint and stuff that this helter skelter style spray painting. And the officers are like, don't come in, stay out here. They were still clearing the house. Well, Donyan, the other officer who's not the neighbor, has his weapon drawn. He goes up the steps where the messages are leading and he has this like feeling that it's not going to be good. Right. Which I think, you know, that's safe. <laughs> you don't even need good powers of deduction fair. for right. that right. at that point. Fair. fair. So Barlow, the neighbor is behind him. Donyan makes his way towards the master bedroom. Barlow goes the other way towards the kids rooms and Barlow finds one of the little boys 
in bed. It looks like he's sleeping, except that he can tell that he's dead. His skin color is not right. He's gray. He does not. He's clearly not alive. Mm -hmm. And he also looks rigid. Yeah. So rigor mortis has already set in. And then Donyan calls out. And that out. means he's been dead for more than an hour. More than an hour. That's what right. I was thinking. Exactly. So Donyan calls out and he's found the wife in the master bedroom. And then they see the second child who's also dead. And they think he might be the one that did it. I mean, it was clear to them. They immediately think that Chris Holman did it. Right. They're thinking, he's saying, they already knew. He said, I just went to the gym and came back. But what they're looking at at the scene, it's very clear that... They've been dead for a while. They've been dead for longer than an hour. You know, or I think it was like just shy of an hour that he said he had been gone. Mm -hmm. And um, in another article I read, it said that one of the kids had been spray painted. There was a message on the kid, too. Ew. I don't think they said what it said, but that his body had been desecrated with spray paint. Yeah, some like really twisted shit right yeah they go downstairs and they tell coleman they didn't make it he doesn't ask any questions at all doesn't try and go in the house he just goes and sits in the yard and starts crying okay like he yeah i mean i would want to know i would want to know details if i were him and i didn't kill them yeah (laughs) I think most people in that kind of situation, they would be in such a state of shock. They wouldn't be thinking, I'm going to see something gruesome. They're thinking, I want to see my family. And you would probably have to physically restrain them from going into that yeah. house. I mean, uh, because yeah, they didn't gets- tell them there's spray paint all over the inside of the house and your family's all kinds of fucked up and they've been dead for more than an hour. They just said they didn't make it. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I think that I've been, you know, listening to true crime or watching or whatever, consuming true crime for a long time. And, you know, there's a lot of different opinions about how you should react in mourning. Like the, um, what's, what's her name that got, she was an American who was over in Italy and her roommate suddenly turned up dead. I mean, there's no, there isn't necessarily one right way to behave. People are in shock. Not that I'm defending this person, because obviously he probably killed his family. But, I mean, that's what you're alluding to. But, like, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know about how people should and should not react to hearing that they're I don't think that that's typical. Yeah. I think most people would have a lot of questions. Yeah. I think the first thing would be like, what happened? I, I want to see them. Yeah. I mean, I know if it was me, I can't even imagine myself in those shoes and I don't want to. Yeah. But you, if my child was in there, I'd fucking tear your eyes out. Yeah. It was, it would take a few people. Amanda Knox is who I was trying to think of. Thank you. Oh yeah. Brain. Yeah. I recently watched a, a video and it was oh it was a ted talk 
And the woman who was giving the talk was discussing how to detect deception. Mm-hmm. Turns out we're generally not great at it. <laughs> but the, and she showed, she played two videos. I have to find this TED talk. She played two videos. One was a mother who was mourning at the cessation of a trial addressing the killer. And the other was a woman who had killed her children being interviewed by the press. And the difference in their behavior was stark. The woman who killed her own children when she was being interviewed, the words that she said were all the right things, but then at the end, she had a smirk. Yeah, it was super creepy. And it's and it wasn't a micro expression like on that show Lie to Me. Yeah. It was a straight up smirk. She looked pleased with herself. And when you looked at the mother who was addressing the killer at the end of this trial, she was sobbing and talking about how beautiful her child was and how horrible it was that her life was cut short. You know, all the things that you would expect a mother to do or a par- any parent. Mm-hmm. Or who was the... The father who recently was in court and asked the judge if he could just have five minutes alone with the killer or the rapist. I don't know. Oh, maybe it was. Oh, maybe it wasn't. The, it was the um, the Olympics physician who abused all those oh, uh-huh. gymnasts. Mm-hmm. And the judge had to have him removed, but took it pretty light on him. Because mm-hmm. he was like, can I just five minutes? That's all I want. Because he had violated his daughter for years. You know, I think that's a more typical reaction. Yeah. And then to make matters even more strange. So he's out in the yard, he's crying, and then he calls his dad. Okay. And um, his dad is also a pastor. Had a pastor. He. Is, Do you think that's an unusual reaction? I think that you're too... It sounds like there wasn't very much time between the time he sat on the ground and then he immediately calls his dad is okay. sort of the way that they okay. explain it. Mm-hmm. I think most folks would be in such a state of shock making phone calls would take a minute to sink in. Yeah. Um, his He grew up his dad's Reverend Ron Coleman and his pastor of Grace Church in Chester, Illinois, which I can only imagine is... A fairly small community. Right. So he calls dad. And dad. Shows up. Um, They've got Chris in an ambulance. And. Someone noticed. That. Chris had red marks. On his arm. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he starts having. Basically. A fit on the gurney someone says what are those from and then he starts going nuts in the ambulance mm-hmm. this is not looking very good for him no at all not very much time goes on and they're realizing that this is all highly suspicious they actually bring in the commander from the major case squad in st louis mm-hmm. for the case and um Major Connor from the Granite City Police Department saying they want the best of the best to take care of this case. 
partly because of the connection to Joyce Meyer's ministry. So, you know, what if this is somehow connected to this big church? Yeah. Um, or did this guy just murder his family? Yeah. Which it kind of looks like he did. Mm-hmm. And when they interview him, he's not necessarily, he's got all his details ready. He's got a story ready to tell. He's prepared. You know, okay. they're, they're asking him questions and he's not struggling to remember to the events. Yeah, he's like, okay, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like he had rehearsed it. Like he's not really like in shock. No. And if you've ever been in shock, it's that you feel like you're out of your body. Yeah. Nothing really makes sense. And it's hard to stay focused on the things that are important. And I would imagine in an interview situation, you're just not tracking well. Yeah. And that kind of shock is so significant. You just lost your entire family. Right. I would think you're not a great interview. Yeah. And also people tend not to make note of things like exactly what time they left. Yeah. Unless there's, you know, they would have to really think about it. They wouldn't have those facts at the ready. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I left at exactly 515. And then I returned it exactly this time. And then just the fact that he called a neighbor to check on them. And yeah. He had barely been gone an hour if, right? So they said that um, he seemed really passive. Okay. And like they, he's like willing to like go along with this. Yeah, he didn't. And it, so he was a Marine. He and his wife had met when they were in the service. I think she was a, they still, they say airman, even if you're a woman, but they had met when they were in the service when they were pretty young, I think 1920, something like that, and got married kind of spur of the moment. Um, not, did not make his father very happy at all. And uh, kind of had this, you know, super tough guy thing. He's head of security. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And now he's Mr. Mellow. Doesn't really, doesn't really line up. Mm-hmm. So he tells him that he got up at 530 in the morning, went to the bathroom, got dressed and left. And she was definitely alive when he left. Okay. And they said, there is no way she was alive <laughs> when you left. Right. That is not possible. Mm-hmm. And so they're pressing him about the timeline. He's like, no, she was definitely alive. And in fact, last night, you know, before we went to bed, we were cuddling on the couch and we went to bed together. So they were trying to wind the timeline back even further. Yeah. And so he's still sticking to the story that, Everything was great. There wasn't any problems at all. Everything was totally fine. I have no secrets. We we were happily married. We were cuddling before bed last night. I got up early to go to the gym. She was asleep. I'm assuming the kids were asleep too. I got dressed. I left. And then I just felt worried. So yeah. I tried to call. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then here's something else that's weird. So then he starts talking about his job really pridefully about how he's the head of security for Joyce Myers Ministries. 
Okay. Seems like an interesting time <laughs> to start kind of bragging about your work. Here's my resume. Right. And says stuff like, she's on TV in 37 languages. Oh, okay. All right. And then tells him about his own surveillance company that he started. Okay. So I'm an entrepreneur, but does not mention to them that he has his own surveillance camera. Mm. Which would perhaps capture an intruder. Right. Is this the one that is across the street? No, he had his own. Oh. Didn't bring that up. Okay. Then they were like, oh, hey. Do you have any cameras? It was like, oh, yeah, I got one of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have the security company mm-hmm. that I started. But I forgot that I have a camera. I kind of for- I forgot. I'm glad you asked. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> the security cameras business comes out and information is coming in pretty rapidly from various sources okay plot twist Mm -hmm. sherry's longtime best friend who had been living in florida is being interviewed simultaneously she and chris had been having an affair Uh, Uh uh-huh okay so the two officers that had been interviewing them her name's tara lintz They take a break and they come back like, ain't no thing, just had a pee, no big deal, like, just taking a whiz. From the interview? Yeah, they take a break from the interview and they find out about Tara Lentz. So, and the connection being that she's a longtime friend of Sherry's. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it turns out that Chris, so Sherry and Tara went to school together. Sherry grew up in Florida. They went to school together in high school. And so that's how Chris became acquainted with Tara. Right. Did I, Tara. Yeah, Tara. And the detectives start asking him about her. Like, so who's Tara? <laughs> and he says, oh, my wife's friend. Oh, she, you know, just my wife's friend. And they said, huh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. She's being interviewed right now. And she says, you're more than friends. And he says, well, we may have flirted a little bit. You know, some text messages, Ugh. that kind of thing. But, right. you know. No big deal. I mean, I would never do that to my wife and kids ever. Of course. And. But I would murder them in cold blood. Well, <laughs> he has still yet to admit right, right, to that. Right, right, right. Then this part really totally rocked my world when I read it. His father, the pastor, justifies his affair by saying his manly needs weren't being met at home. So he is texting with a woman in Florida and that is meeting his manly needs? Like, what the fuck? Well, like, how do you have a long-distance affair, really? It wasn't really that long-distance, it turns out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they had met up a couple times. Okay. When, <clears throat> pardon me, 
So for those of you who don't move in Missouri, sometimes the season changes in the same day. Yeah. And today, <laughs> like today, it became winter. Yeah. And so now I'm a frog again. I feel like I'm a frog two, three times a week this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. I, we started, relaunched the podcast and I had a cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now, like, I'm a human barometer. My knee is killing me. <laughs> yeah. My, my ear got all fucked up. Yeah. You had your ear thing. You were St- like, it's still not right. Missouri's a really beautiful place to live. We we live in a lovely forest, essentially. But, but it wants to kill holy you. Holy crap. Mother Nature is a harsh, harsh mistress. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so. Yes, to quote my friend Tara, Scott, so uh-huh. sorry about all the throat clearing. I'm drinking hot tea because it was like 70 degrees yesterday and I woke up this morning. It was like 45. Well, mostly I'll be able to cut them out. But you know, Okay, well, whatever. that's good. Yeah. So, uh, so Tara has come to visit Chris on several occasions. Well, no, they didn't even visit in St. Louis. They had oh. legit out-of-town flings. Oh. Yeah. And they both have promise rings they wear when they're together. Oh, that is so lame. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, and- are we in, what are we <clears throat> in middle school? Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor Wadsworth. Wadsworth just missed a jump. Yeah. Poor guy. So Coleman says, oh, well, I didn't, you know, he's like, I was, I didn't really take it that seriously. And they're like, but promise rings? He's like, yeah. well, I mean, you know, she was more into it than I was. Yeah. I mean, you know. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. They met. Um, I think it was, I think it's in the other article that I was reading that, let's see. Like, what is the promise? Promise you'll keep you are, it's cheating like on a, your wife with Like me. an engagement ring. Yeah. Right? It's dumb. So, okay, so they went to Phoenix, and they also went to Maui. <laughs> Those are two vastly different locales. Mm-hmm. And Tara is a cocktail waitress at a poker club. Okay. And when they asked her, how long have you been in a relationship with Chris? And so the murders happened on May 3rd, I think, right at the beginning of May. So pretty soon after that late April death threat, the one that, like, you're really going to be sorry now. Oh, and P.S., everyone was strangled. Oh, okay. And there yeah, was... Yeah, yeah. A significant signs of struggle from the wife, Sherry. Uh huh. So remember all those scrapes on yeah, his arm, and yeah, then he was like, yeah. "Oh wait, I have to freak out now." Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. can't tell the difference between the defensive wounds and the ones I just made myself. Right. Um. So they had gotten together out of town twice between late November, early December, and May. They'd exchanged, they found text messages where they had exchanged explicit photographs of one another. They found a video on his computer that Tara didn't even know about of them or her engaged in some sort of sex act. Mm-hmm. That was a surprise to her. Mm-hmm. 
They had talked about getting married and having a baby named Zoe. Okay. But he said they're just friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, when they asked him, they said, okay, so you said you had a close friendship, but were you actually doing anything you felt wouldn't be approved by your... What is going on with Wadsworth? He's like losing... I don't think he likes this guy. Yeah, he just... He tried and failed again to hit a jump that he normally is fine with. Hey, buddy, why don't you come up with me? Oh, Scully, it, Dr. Scully just flipped over. It totally creepy. sounds like Momo's in here tearing yeah. up shit. Yeah. The detectives anyway, say sorry. to Coleman, okay, you said you had a close friendship, but were you actually doing anything you felt wouldn't be approved by your wife? And he says... Uh, some of the conversations, probably. Yeah, I, yeah. That was when they were like, oh, P.S., we're talking to her right now. Yeah. So, do you know how they, like, came to know about her in the first place? Like, why was she being interviewed? Among the many people who came to work on the case, there was someone who did forensic computer work. Oh, okay. And so they found, like, something. They found some connection there. They also discovered that the emails that he supposedly got that were sent from the madman that was stalking them were actually sent from his work computer. (laughs) Of course. Right. So I think it was... So he'd been planning this for... Computer forensics that revealed the connection and how they she was in uh st petersburg i think is where where it said that she was yeah st petersburg Mm -hmm. so they had her and as soon as they discovered that they scrambled picked her up and she at that time she didn't seem to know anything about the murders necessarily then they ask him So you're saying some madman sat in the shadows and waited and watched for you to leave, then entered the house. Is that what you're trying to tell me? And Coleman says, that's the only thing I can assume. Okay. I've been to St. Petersburg, Florida, by the way. It's a historic place. It's one of the oldest cities in Florida, if I recall correctly. I visited the Dali Museum there. Salvador Dali Museum. Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. That's great. I took Ambien one time when I was in the hospital. Okay. And uh, there's a connection. (laughs) So, you know, the Salvador Dali picture with the melting clock. Yeah, the the famous one. Right. The super famous melting clock picture. I don't know what the actual name of it is. Anyway, I was laying in bed. I was in there because I had Campylobacter poisoning, a.k.a raw chicken got me Mm -hmm. undercooked raw chicken and not cooked by me hadn't actually eaten any chicken probably cross-contamination from institutional university food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway it was real bad don't recommend it five days in the hospital yeah so i was having a hard time sleeping i was on a morphine drip because i was in absolute agony Mm mm-hmm and they said, we'll give you an ambient to help you sleep. And I was, all I did was like, get up and go to the bathroom and come back to bed. It was 
a thoroughly violent, disgusting experience. The ambience starts to kick in, and I'm looking at, they have, like, school clocks in hospitals. Looking at the clock, and it starts dripping down the wall, <laughs> like Salvador Dali's clock. And I remember thinking, it's just like that Salvador Dali painting. And then lights out. Yeah. I was done. Yeah. And I told my doctor the next day, I said, the wall started to melt. Like, the clock started, then the wall started to melt, and then I fell asleep. And he said, no more ambient for you. Oh. I got cut off. So that's not a normal thing, I guess. Um, apparently not. <laughs> I guess I'm high risk for being one of those people that goes and like drives a car in grocery shops. I don't know. Yeah. People do all kinds of crazy stuff on Ambient. Anyway. Yeah, we've had a whole episode about that. Mm-hmm. Creepy sleepers. Look it up. That's true. The detectives are not buying Coleman's bullshit by any means at all. Good. The uh, computer forensics person is unloading evidence. Buku. Buku. And this whole business with him and his buddy, who also happens <laughs> to have a promise ring, <laughs> taking trips together, came up with a baby name, talking about getting married. He's got explicit photos. Not really looking great for him. Just friends. We're just buddies. That's what I do with my friends. One of the things that kind of sealed the deal for him, not in a good way, is that he was not a great speller. <laughs> and one of the words that uh... he commonly misspelled was the word opportunities. So... So, you know, the madman is um, talking about how he has a lot of opportunities and they've connected that with Chris Coleman. Yes. In one of the threat letters, the word opportunity is misspelled in the same way that he misspells that word. Yeah, man. Like, I cannot spell the word restaurant to save my life. That's fair. It's a tough one. Neither can the buttery on grand for years on their menu is <laughs> misspelled. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. I didn't know it existed until like a month ago. And when I drove. Oh, by it's it. a real dive. Me and my friend, Tony Boitano. Shout out to Tony Boitano. We used is to go related to Brian Boitano. I don't believe so. Although he would probably um, do naughty things with Brian Boitano. Okay. I don't think they're related in any way. Okay. No, Tony and I would go walk Carondelet Park, and then we'd go to the buttery and order fries. So we would cancel our exercise with disgusting greasy spoon fries. Is it worth going? Uh, no. Okay. I did notice after many trips there, I was looking at the menu, I thought, does that look weird? I thought, oh, for fuck's sakes, they spelled misspelled restaurant on the <laughs> restaurant menu. <laughs> It was spelled like restaurant instead of restaurant. Yeah. They had the U in the wrong place. Okay, gotcha. I'm like, yeah. you know, that's that's a peek into my future if I ever decide to open a restaurant. Well, that's copy editors <laughs> are a good thing. Okay, yeah. It's yeah, a little yeah. disappointing that the print shop didn't catch that one. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so they're like they're opening a butter restaurant. They deserve whatever they get. The last time that I went there, 
there was so much smoke from the fryer, my eyes were burning. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think you can get anything that is not sopped in some sort of buttery grease or deep fried. I mean, it's not. Is it bad that it sounds really good? <laughs> it's a great place to go at two o'clock in the morning. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like it's, a Uncle Bill sort of situation. That would be a major step up. Uncle Bill's is a step up? Big time. Okay. The buttery hasn't had any sort of upgrade since Brady Bunch. Where is it in Waffle House standards? Um, Waffle House would be at least two um, food inspector grades above. And it probably has a C rating. And Courtesy Diner is definitely above that, right? Oh, yeah. Courtesy Diner is super clean. I yeah, mean, it's I old like as hell, Diner. but it's clean. And then they what have you, the fancy new one. Like, How do you think that the like owner operators of those kinds of businesses are like, you know, like they, they must know that their restaurant is shit, right? They've got their regulars and they just hope they don't all die before they want to retire, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Tony and I were pretty committed to our our walk french fry routine yeah i mean yeah we we did that for a long time cancel that exercise immediately right <laughs> <laughs> and then we we would we would eat our french fries with mayonnaise yes oh that's my, my favorite way to it's eat french so fries. good mm. that's the way the belgians do it really mm -hmm. if All you right. go to belgium they serve it in a paper cup your fries good and then you get mayonnaise. Recyclable. Because ketchup is disgusting. Oh, I like ketchup. I mean, mm -mm. I, I prefer it mixed with mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah, like when it's fry pink. sauce kind of way. When it's pink, it's way better. Yeah. Yeah, like pretend. Anyway. So, Sorry. Where were we? Anyway, he can't spell for shit. Oh, yeah. Opportunities. And then the madman also happens to not be able to spell the exact same words. Right. They also find a receipt for a can of apple red paint, which happens to match the color of the spray paint that's sprayed, uh, yeah. spray painted on the walls. Apple red. Mm -hmm. mm. And Pastor Coleman, his dad, says, oh, well, that doesn't mean he's the killer. Oh, yeah. No. And that, of course, he's also the one that is saying that, I mean, his needs weren't being met. Yeah. He wasn't really gonna get that serious with tara he just you know he had man needs gross mm -hmm. man oh and needs. he was paying her bills oh but they're just buds yeah hey will you pay my mortgage <sighs> i'm not putting out by the way okay okay cool cool <laughs> it's a uh, penny mac you could just i know you know how to spell penny yeah yeah we'll do that after the podcast you okay. can write out a check sure i just paid october a few days ago so if you could take care of november that'd be cool. yeah sure we're we're just friends so that'll be no problem yeah no that's how that works it's totally normal i'm gonna call a different firm for december okay mm -hmm. when the detectives went to go see tara they asked her if they thought that sherry knew they were having an affair and she said, well, I think she might suspect it, but I don't think she necessarily knew for sure. Okay. But she doesn't say why. 
I couldn't find anything that said why she thought that. Although, I don't know, if my husband was talking to Lisa Natoli, who was my best friend my sophomore year in high school, I'd be like, why are you talking to Lisa? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so, not that he's not allowed to speak to Lisa. I would just find that very strange because yeah. she doesn't live in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she lives in, well, all over now. Um, but uh, she's an aerial silks artist. She's nice. Fantastic. Yeah, she's very talented. Anyway, uh, Lisa Natoli, you can look her up on the internet. She's amazing. And, oh my God, I've seen her crawl up a silk rope. I think she was just using her toes. Wild. Yeah. I I don't think gravity knows about her. <laughs> I don't think it. It's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Tara is pretty, pretty open about things and talks about how um, Chris had told her that, you know, People talked about them being this sort of Barbie and Ken couple, but really behind closed doors, there was no affection in the marriage. So hence Pastor Coleman's, you know, obviously he needs his needs met. Yeah. And then Pastor Coleman claims that Chris didn't actually buy the promise rings. She did. Okay. And then he also says... That Pastor Coleman, he's got a lot to say. Yeah. He says, oh, well, he was actually trying to break it off with her. How does he know so much about his son's affair? Yeah, I feel like if I was, if my dad was a pastor, I don't think, well, I don't think I would be telling my parents about my affair generally. No. Regardless of their occupation. Sorry, mom and dad. I would not tell you about my affairs. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those, that's like a bro conversation. Yeah. Not, not a, a dad, especially a pastor Not dad. a grown man, I'm going to tell my dad. Um, unless there's something a little peculiar about your relationship. Right. I don't know, I feel like you get a therapist or you tell your bros. Right. Something. but Or no one. Or no one. Yeah, I mean, especially your dad. I mean... Maybe he'll pray for you for being a sinner, but I can't imagine. Yeah. It's a little shocking to me that he's coming to his defense the way that he is. I mean, yeah, on one hand, sure, because why does he know that much about his son's sex life? But also, maybe it's not so uh, surprising because he is a pastor and he's like, I've got to save face with my community kind of thing. Well, sure. And there is a Chris Coleman is innocent Facebook page. Oh, God. Mm hmm. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. It's got something like a whole 300 followers. <laughs> oh, 340 shit. followers. That's about how many followers Creepy Class <laughs> Well, he. It's been a minute since he did this. So he's had some time to gain some support. He's yeah. been in the news a bunch. Yeah. I, I don't. Oh, yeah, what year did this happen? I know uh, you said, but I forgot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Remembering's hard. Yeah. 
this. Especially it's Friday night and I've had a couple of vodka sodas. I haven't had any vodka sodas. I well, you got to get up early. I probably, oh my God, so early. Uh, 2009. Gotcha. So, so it's been a minute. He's had time to collect some support. Yeah. Doesn't look like it's going very well. We yeah, we haven't been doing we, creepy We've been for doing this long. for a year. Yeah. He's been, he's had. Speaking of which, we kind of missed our year anniversary. I know. Well, happy anniversary. Next, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> oh, for our anniversary, we pay my December mortgage since you're already <laughs> taking care of November. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Okay, awesome. Um, I make so much money doing theater. Mm -hmm. I hear that happens a lot. <laughs> I hear it's real profitable. Uh -huh. You're like a thread away from Hollywood any minute, right? Yeah, like Joyce Myers, look out. Big bucks, big bucks. I got my own plane. Mm -hmm. Only only 10 M. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, dad's, dad's a real fan of sticking up for his kid. Turns out that during his own interrogation, Chris texts Tara. <laughs> Smart. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll show you a picture of her picture of him in a minute. He looks like a genius. <laughs> Burn. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm not feeling a lot of empathy for him. Oh no, of course not. I mean we can make yeah. fun of murderers all we want. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's kind of a piece of shit. So when they're interviewing Tara, she's like super nervous. She's crossing and uncrossing her legs. And they ask her if she knows anything about the planning or what what he did. And she's like, absolutely not. Did you have any knowledge of these homicides? No knowledge. And then so she like swears that she has no involvement whatsoever. Do we believe her? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty far away. Yeah. To be actively planning. I mean, I would believe it's that not... she would be like, yeah, you should get rid of your wife so that we can be together. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the higher ups, major Shannon Halstead, not clear on the gender there. Nice Irish, Irish gent or lady. Lass. Yes. No, that's Lass. Well, whatever. <laughs> Says Chris Coleman was in a pressure cooker. He was getting pressure from Sherry Coleman. He was getting pressure from the ministry. Oh, I think they found out about the, he was either worried about them finding about the affair or they found out about the affair. The ministry? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Yeah, which that's not going to look great. No. Right. Right. And then... Ultimately, I think Tara was giving him ultimatums. So I don't know necessarily that she knew, but I think she was putting pressure on him to leave the wife. But I mean, this is like, this is like, if, if we're going from when he first started getting threatening emails, that's November, right? And the murder is not till May. Like, that's a really long time to plan this murder. True. It's not like a, it's not like a super high pressure situation where he's like suddenly snaps and murders. This has been premeditated for at least six months. Seems like he had some time to think it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I thought, I think the right answer here is to kill my husband. 
I better start sending myself emails. Like that's that's a level of like planning that like I, think I do if not you possess. Have <laughs> any semblance of sanity left? You think maybe now is a good time to get a therapist and talk to somebody because this is a little extreme. Oh, no, but Heidi, he's a white male. He, oh, oh, I he, forgot. He can't go see a therapist because that would be that would be weak. Especially because he's a security guard. He should probably just pray more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the trial comes around. So, I mean, obviously, he got himself a colorful jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Orange, perhaps? Actually, I think it was yellow. Oh. Yes, yellow. Oh, yeah, I see. Kind of unusual. Okay. And yellow is the new yeah, the Yeah, when the mistress arrived, to take the stand in full commitment to her man. She wore her promise ring. Oh, sweet mm-hmm. baby Jesus. The prosecutors uh, introduced the selfies, the X-rated videos, um, introducing yeah. motive. Yeah. And they say that he killed his family because he feared he would lose his job as televangelist Joyce Meyer's bodyguard if he got a divorce. And when they had talked to somewhere along the line in my research, they talked to somebody at the ministry and they said, you know, obviously we don't love it if somebody gets divorced, but that's not necessarily a deal breaker for their job. That doesn't mean that they would necessarily not have a job. So that fear isn't wasn't totally founded although he was making a hundred grand which is a nice sum Mm -hmm. um anyway so they uh oh here it is we have many people who work for us that have been divorced and the person is not necessarily and a person is not necessarily going to lose their job because they get a divorce it wouldn't have been the divorce so much as the immorality so there was some pre-recorded testimony from Joyce Meyer. Okay. That was played in court. About uh, that or Yeah. They played pre-taped testimony in court. Oh, so she's like she's like I don't want anything to do with this fucking guy. Uh, They're not coming to his I mean, she's a 10 million dollar jet. She probably had enough attorneys to keep herself out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, doesn't yeah, want to yeah, be associated yeah. with that. Yeah. Um they were the prosecutor is able to definitively prove that the threatening emails were sent from his computer. Mm-hmm. Not a mystery madman. Yeah. So jury deliberates guilty, 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 guilty. Good. Yeah. I think Ooh. that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Three life terms, no parole. Wow. Good. In this particular article, they interviewed him in prison. Oh. And um, the person who interviewed him says, Tara stated, and she told the jury that you, on the day of the murders, were going to serve your wife with divorce papers. He says, correct. That is what she stated. And, you know, I have to be honest that I was, you know, deceiving her and was in the process of moving away from her, Tara, as far as in a relationship. Oh, so he... Totally throws her under the bus. Yeah. And I was like, she's full of shit. I was never going to do that. God. 
And then they ask him about the forensics on his laptop and how do you explain that? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I had two laptops. Of course I didn't travel with both of them. My wife used the Dell laptop. It was left at the office. It was just left in my car. Then it would make... The Dell laptop was used by my wife. It was left at the office. It was left in my car. Then it would make sense that there would thus only be opportunity... Thus <laughs> be wrong. the only opportunity that somebody had access to my laptop. So... I guess he's saying he's insinuating that, that his wife sent those messages. He's insinuating that either someone accessed his computer at the office or in his car. Okay. And then when they ask about this mystery person delivering threats to his mailbox, he says, well, you couldn't really identify him because he had a, a hooded sweatshirt on. And then they ask him, oh, that video never turned up. He had it on his surveillance, but he couldn't actually produce it. So he kind of fucked himself by saying that? Yeah, and so they said, so where where the video go? And he said, oh, um, I, I don't have it. I came back home and from Hawaii, a.k.a. from my... Illicit affair. Uh-huh. And asked Sherry about it, and we looked at it, and I seen the same thing she did. And didn't have the means at the time to download it to a DVR and record it. Okay. Uh, no flash drive. No, you couldn't just save it on your laptop. Yeah. You run a surveillance company and you can't think of a way to... Yeah. You have someone yeah. who's threatening your life and you can't... Th- like, look, I'm not a computer guru. And I feel like if I had that kind of evidence, I'm make sure... Yeah, we had flash drives in 09. Yeah, of course we did. Yeah. Or he could have just saved the file to his computer. Yeah. He didn't need to record it to a DVR. Yeah. If he was looking at it, he had a way to save it. That's just some bullshit. And then, so they they say exactly that. Like, it's kind of hard to believe that the head of security for an international figure doesn't know how to download some surveillance video. <laughs> and he says... Oh, um, I'm not saying I didn't know how to do it, but that's not the issue. I was still waiting for products and some other part of the system to arrive. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that the pathologist who was, is actually, they, they say famed pathologist, his name's mm-hmm. Michael, Dr. Michael Baden, concluded that Sherry and the kids were killed before 3 a.m. So Chris Coleman definitely would have been home. Mm-hmm. So when the police showed up at what, like almost 7 a.m., they'd already been dead for close to four hours, and that's why they looked so bad. Yeah. Well, and he had that, that gives him time to go buy spray paint and spray paint his house. Well, he had already, he got that like three months earlier. Three months? Yeah, they had a receipt that was three months old. Yeah, man. And he said he had it for like some project with his kid. It's crazy that how long he'd. I'm who saves a spray paint receipt for three I'm months not, is I, what I want to know. know. Like, yeah, honestly, I'm almost impressed by the level of planning. Like, I I don't have that that <laughs> I don't have that like a, a ability to plan something like that. I don't that far in advance. Like, I doubt this. 
I suspect the spray painting was not planned. I think that that was... He had already had the spray paint. I think that was a spontaneous act of rage. Yeah. I think he had so much rage about his situation, and that was a spontaneous move. I don't think so. I think that this was... To cover it up. I think this was all planned. I think that he was like, how am I going to cover this up? How am I going to make it look like it wasn't me? Okay, I'm going to start sending myself emails and then eventually escalate to mail. And he's like, oh, and what would seal the deal is if like, oh, I'm going to take some inspiration from Charles Manson, the most infamous murderer of all time. And, you know, well, not necessarily, you know, not technically. I know he didn't really technically murder anybody, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to take inspiration from Helter Skelter and, like, paint my walls with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if I buy the spray paint three months ahead of time, nobody's going to put two and two together. Right. So the best part, the pathologist figures out the time of death has to be somewhere around three o'clock in the morning. This is a legit scientist, famed even, right? Right. So they inquire with Coleman about his explanation for the pathologist says it was 3 a.m. You were definitely home at 3 a.m. You said you didn't leave until a little bit after 5.30. And he's like, oh, that dude got it all wrong. And let me tell you how. What? For real. He says, so they at the question they ask him, you left the house before six that morning. So how could all of this taken place without you knowing about it? And he Coleman says, as a body has deceased, it's a body's normal temperature. And then as it cools down to room temperature, the rate that it cools slows down, and so you find that window, and then you work backwards. If you actually use the lowest temperature that was recorded, it actually comes back to 547 in the morning is the time of the deceased. Okay. How, like, how... How does... It, he doesn't explain why it cools down so quickly. Right. He's just saying that that really smart guy... He's who's, just mansplaining. He's totally mansplaining. The smart guy who's a pathologist <laughs> and has dedicated his life to the study of... Yeah, our, famed pathologist. He is a famed pathologist, but he's definitely... But security guy who can't even save a video. Or spell opportunities. Correct. He's <laughs> He figured it out. And it's not just approximately... It's precisely 547. 547's very specific. Mm-hmm. So, this is like, I don't know how they're not laughing at him at this point. Like, I hope that this was a video chat so that they could mute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're probably so disturbed by someone like this that... It's not funny. It's not funny, but I, I would also be thinking, what a jackass. Right, Yeah. They say, that's like you're suggesting, that's like we've got a two-minute window between the time that you left. So they're saying there was a two-minute window between the time that you left and the time that they died. 
So the madman... You can't strangle somebody that fast. Three people. Right. And spray paint. Right. Well, maybe the spray paint happened after. Right. But you can't strangle three people that fast. Right. And he says, well, no, because nothing of that is what you call precise or exact. Okay. Total double talk. Yeah. And then he does the classic. So I love this TED Talk. I'm definitely going to find it. One of the key things when someone is being deceptive is that they will, and the person in the TED Talk uses several examples of famous politicians when they're lying. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Like Bill Clinton when he's like, I didn't, didn't have point. sex relations. Yeah. yeah. So that's distancing language. Mm-hmm. I didn't have sexual relations with that, that woman. That woman, right? Mm-hmm. Not Monica. Not like he right. didn't know who she was. Yeah. Right. This is his intern. Yeah. Was she was an intern, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That woman. So the distancing language, and then they will also often be overly formal in their yeah. reply. Okay. So they say, now it's time to ask you a key question. Did you kill your wife and your two boys because you wanted a life with your mistress? His response is, no, absolutely not. I am 100% innocent. Okay. Not just no. Right. No, 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 no. Not no, that's unthinkable. No, absolutely not. I am 100% innocent. Yeah. So it, he, and he doesn't even discuss the wife or the children or the loss or the mistress. It's all about him. Right. Well, that's, that's a psychopath for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then he tries to say that there are unknown fingerprints and footprints and unknown DNA at the crime scene. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that seems legit. Yeah, and he thought he was going to have a better defense. Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, bummer. You should have hired a better lawyer. He just requested a new trial this January. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. There, he's waiting to hear if he can, or... Is he, he's appealing? Um, let's see. Well, his parents are helping. Mm-hmm. Nice of, nice of them. Let's see. Thanks, mommy let's and daddy. Take a, yeah, exactly. It is possible that he could get a new trial. Um, there, in May, his attorney argued that his trial lawyer, lawyers were ineffective and part of his lawyer's argument was like, oh, he totally did it. So, well, no. <laughs> so what happened was that during preparation for the trial, detectives had those explicit photos and they taped the date and time when the photo was taken and the device in which they found it on the back of the photo. And the judge had told them that they could only be entered into evidence for viewing if the genitals were obscured. 
and they were put on the back of some other display, and the jurors saw it anyway. They saw the genitals? They saw the genitals. Well, and they also saw, they saw the, the dates, they saw the dates and times of the photos, and part of why they initially were going to come back with a not guilty verdict, but then when they saw those photographs, it didn't line up with this testimony, and they it swayed them, and they came back unanimously guilty. So his lawyer is saying... If they didn't see the genitals, they wouldn't have been swayed. Because of this goof with the pictures maybe he wouldn't have gotten so the is it so the genitals made the difference is what they're arguing i mean in essence yes it's the genital it's the photos oh it's so the new judge granted an evidentiary hearing to examine whether or not the previous attorneys were ineffective saying it's a very serious crime and i want to make sure the jury got it correct but as of may a hearing hadn't been scheduled and it's october and i can't find evidence that any new hearing had been scheduled i found another article that said that the judge also thought that the trial proceedings had been done very well and that the window of opportunity for a new trial was pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's probably going to get a new trial, well, especially since it's now October and that was May. Yeah. And I'm really surprised that anyone would think he was anything less than guilty. That's yeah, one of those I things mean... where I would be really glad I wasn't a juror because I would be thinking it would be guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Which is not what you're supposed to do. Right. I don't think I would have been a very good juror for that case. I'd be like, no. uh, you're going to have to, I'm going to need a lot of shit <laughs> for me to think he didn't do I it. I mean, I cannot see any genitals to think that you're innocent. No. Well, I mean, just the forensic evidence from the computer yeah. and then the patholo- what was it? Pat- the, the famed pathologist. The famed pathologist. Just those two facts alone. And then... I'm concerned. I haven't even been gone an hour, but I'm concerned my wife's not answering yeah. the phone. And that's not something that he normally did. And then he doesn't, he runs a security firm and he's a $100,000 bodyguard, but he doesn't know how to save a file. Surveil his own fucking house. Right. Oops, I lost this critical piece of evidence. Yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm like, how could anyone deduce that he's anything but guilty? So, is your computer making noise? Um, not that I'm aware of. I just heard some noise in the in the cans. A little creepy. It's probably a ghost. I heard a man's voice. No oh boy. I'll listen back later, I guess, when I edit. Play it backwards, see if you hear the devil. <laughs> Did you Okay, so you didn't grow up with records so much, right? You're a CD person? I mean, my parents had records, but by the time I was old enough to remember, we were playing CDs, I think. Because when I was young, 
And I was like on the cassettes. I mean, we were the tail end of I'm an idiot record buying, Uh with the exception of people who are like, I'm gonna be cool and buy records. Um, I still there was always those rumors, you know, if you play the ACDC record backwards, no, I know about all that for sure. It it plays on the Beatles, right? Something, yeah. I mean, I think it's all mostly a bunch of bullshit. I don't know. We could probably look into it. Yeah. I think that it's one of those things that you can probably hear things if you want to. Yeah. You know, cognitive bias. Yeah. You decide it, it before it happens. Be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this guy's a real turd. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, he, um, and he looks like crap in yellow. Yeah. Um, oh, he got orange. He's in orange now. Okay. He doesn't look any better. <laughs> but well. he does sincerely look like your average white guy did you see that in creepy club book club our pal megan posted that the fbi just revealed that they think they have discovered one of america's most prolific serial killers no who has confessed to as many as it was something like 90 crimes holy shit Major plot twist. Dude is not white. Oh. And I thought, are they sure? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not an absolute requirement. It just Yeah. Doesn't come up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so we'll have to as that more information comes out, that is literally hot off the press. Yeah. Well, um, that was great. Do you have any Halloween jokes? Ooh. <laughs> what? What's brown and sticky? Do you hear that? That I heard. Is it just it the delay? It sounded like indigestion. Is it just the delay of the recording, maybe? Probably. It was probably. I'm like, it's a man's voice. It's my voice. It was I'm probably kind of moaning at my terrible joke. Voice. Anyway, okay, what's brown and sticky? Uh-huh. What is it? A stick. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's a good parrot joke. Tell it to the tell it to new boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> the parrot joke? Why is it a parrot joke? Because parrots like to hang out on their stick, on their perch. Oh, okay, yeah. They like to perch. Okay. I hope you like parrots because they live like 4,000 years. Yeah. He's got to like write a will now. No. How old's the parrot? Uh, He told me I forgot. I'll, I'll 85, I hope. <laughs> no. Because they live to be like 150 or something. No. They live a really long time. Yeah. I like know. really long. I, well, they Way live... longer than people. Really? I thought it was just like pretty much the amount of people. The same amount of people. Oh, no, they live longer than humans. You have to have a contingency plan for if you if you are over the age of five and buy a parrot, you need to have a contingency plan. I think it varies by breed, obviously, but they live a super long time. Okay, he let's see. Paco is, I think, a red and green macaw. That seems right. And let's see what Wikipedia says. Which is always 100% right. Of course. Uh, here, let me 
Google lifespan. It doesn't have anything in the Wikipedia article. I mean, I'm I'm bad at skimming. Oh, okay. Fair. Like I I don't understand. Like um, it it astounds me that you're able to just like have all these links pulled up and you can like kind of scan the article while you're talking. Well, that's because I'm a genius. Yeah. Um. Obviously. It says red-bellied. Hmm. Red-bellied macaw lifespan in the wild 15 to 20 years in captivity 30 to 40 years that doesn't seem right i've heard like 100 years which i've is heard like, way longer than that which is like the lifespan of a human pretty much um it and it it may truly i'm sure it does vary depending on the breed but i know some of them can live a super long time this is particularly in captivity years yeah so if you're 40 and you get a baby and it might live 60 years for sure well it's the same thing with turtles yeah they can live for a super duper long time Mm -hmm. this is 50 to 70 years it seems like every website has a different okay so if you're over the age of like say 15 don't buy a parrot unless it's already 20 yeah Yeah. because well i mean it, it it has it's his parents parrot he oh, it's technically now, not his official parrot. Well, he's kind of assumed responsibility for it. It's complicated, but anyway, any anywho, Hoozle, uh, if you have any, we're we're doing a call out for ghost stories or creepy stories for our Halloween episode, which we're going to record very soon. So I'd really like a please, nice cemetery uh, story. That would be awesome. If you have any weird cemetery experiences. Um, we used to play hide and seek in the cemetery until the... Um, the that sounds like fun. Well, it is until the whatever you... Groundskeeper, whatever you call the person who is the caretaker. Caretaker. Um, takes offense to it and starts shooting uh, rock salt at you. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Ouch! Did. From a shotgun? I don't know what. I mean, it was probably, I guess, like a twenty-two. Oh damn! I would think. I don't think a shotgun would work. That's probably the shell's too big. But yeah, he would. He loaded. I think you can get rock salt. Rock salt. Well, I guess you in could put your... it in the capsule. But yeah, he would put rock salt in a weapon of some sort and Jesus Christ, shoot it. That's like I a mean, little much. Yeah. <laughs> It was a little, well, I mean, I went once, that happened, and I was good. I wasn't right, coming back, right. so it's effective. A friend of mine who is a nun was telling me that we were discussing being a teacher, and I was like, God bless the teachers. I substitute taught twice, and it was the most horrifying experience of my life. Um, being a teacher is super hard, and give them whatever they want and quadruple their pay immediately. And she said that she had a friend who was, she's, was a teacher at one time she had a friend who was also a non teacher and she kept this really thick piece of chain in her desk and on the first day of school she would say nothing pull out the chain and snap it and put it back in her desk <laughs> <laughs> bad ass i know and she said those kids gave her no trouble for the rest of the year That's she incredible. had to do nothing and i was like that's 
kind of genius. Yeah. I mean, psychological torture, maybe. Maybe. But. Effective. No child was truly harmed, <laughs> but they sure kept their shit in order. Yeah. I'm not advocating for this. I just thought it was kind of clever and it made me yeah. laugh really hard. Well, if you have any stories about nuns abusing you. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> just no, there's uh, if you plenty any, of clergy abuse out there that's not any, nuns. If you have any stories about ghosts or cemeteries or aliens or anything like that, you can tweet us at creepyclubpod or you can email us at creepyclubpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash creepyclubpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at creepyclubpodcast. You can follow me at risboomba, R-I-S-B-O-O-M-B-A-H. And you can follow Heidi at creepyclubheidi. Um, for meeting minutes, um, show notes, uh, pictures of this asshole in a yellow jumpsuit, you can go to www.creepyclubpodcast.com. I was <laughs> in my head. I was like, "Don't say the www," and I just did it anyway. Old habits um, die hard, man. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be talking about eight tracks. Yeah, floppy disks. Um. So yeah, and we'll we're gonna go to that uh, candlelight tour of the Campbell House on October twenty fifth at seven forty five p.m. So get your tickets now. I just shared it to the Facebook page. So go check that out let us know if you're gonna come because we would love to meet you um also please tell a friend uh about our podcast extra credit if you wear victorian clothing (laughs) yeah way way extra credit because that victorian clothing is intense um please rate and review and subscribe to us on itunes that would be grand please uh share us with a friend um tell your neighbor you know uh yeah that would be really super helpful because we want to grow our audience i'm sorry it's getting very late i'm very tired having a hard time <laughs> with my words but i have to wake up at 5 30 and i'm already scared uh, yeah i i woke up at 5 30 this morning so how do you do that i i'm a light ass i'm a light ass sleeper and i've got two cats my husband literally asked me, how far can I take it? <laughs> Meaning, how far can I go? Like, what? How? How mean can I be to get you out of bed? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, why do you have to be mean? Right. But, I mean, he's got a point. It's how not- about a light tickle? Oh, I hate being tickled. There you go. That'll wake you up. right up there with whispering. I hate, I hate being tickled, too. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not an ASMR person, I guess. You no, I whispering? listened to one of those one time. I was like, ooh, this is so annoying. I oh, I think it's kind of creepy. It's super creepy. My husband looks a little bit like Ed Kemper. Mm-hmm. And um, every once in a while, he will whisper, I love you, just to irritate me. <laughs> I'm like, look, Ed Kemper, knock it off. Because it's a little, I mean, he is as tall and as big as Ed Kemper. And then whispering, I'm like, you know, that's creepy. Stop it right now. Yeah. Well, um, on that note, thank you so much for listening. And we hope that you join us next time. Secret to a happy marriage is sarcasm. It's my hot tip for the day. Meeting adjourned. (laughs) 